Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. Today we have our third Cheltenham Festival podcast as I look back with Sean McGee, eminent historian and author of Arkle, the world's greatest steeplechaser, at the famous race between Arkle and Mill House in the 1964 Cheltenham Gold Cup. Thank you for joining me, Sean. Hello. Any excuse to talk about Arkle? I was delighted to be here. I thought you might say that. Well, let's set the scene. In the green corner, we had Arkell, and in the red and white corner, we had Mill House. But that's not strictly true. Wasn't Mill House Irish bred as well? He was Irish bred, Mill House, and he was ridden in the Gold Cup, of course, by a great Irishman, Willie Robinson. Arkell ridden by Pat Taff. So the, the, but there was a real sense of nationalism in, in that the Arkell was the champion of Ireland. And Millhouse was the champion of England, and of course, uh, when they came to Cheltenham for the for the '64 Gold Cup, they had already raced against each other in the Hennessy the previous year, Hennessy Gold Cup at Newbury, and Millhouse won that race, and he he was the, at that point the reigning Cheltenham Gold Cup winner, and he he won the. Uh, the race at Newbury, the Hennessy, and giving Arkell five pounds. So, I mean, it was a very comprehensive beating. And he absolutely, he was a huge horse, Mill House. He was known as the big horse, but he was he was seriously big. And um, had a fantastic stride on him, and he was a terrific jumper. He won the Hennessy fairly easily, and Arkell was third. And a free Kit Kat. Do anybody even tell me the horse who finished second? You know. Oh, I'll have to leave that one. We'll have to leave that open to anyone on Twitter who wants to answer the the question: Who did come second? But just going back a bit, can I ask you? Um, yes. Just setting setting the scene again for this clash 
in March 1964. What were their, the two horses' uh, respective ages um, on the 7th of March 1964? And, and, and tell me more about the teams behind both horses. They were, well, they were both seven. Millhouse won the Cheltenham Gold Cup at the age of six, and that Cheltenham Arkle ran in and won the Broadway chase, which is the uh, for staying uh, novice chasers. Uh, well, this is interesting, of course, the background of racehorses. Arkle was owned by Anne Duchess of Westminster, who was a very uh, Duchess. Her husband had died not long ago before and trained uh, trained near 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 Ashbourne trained by Tom Draper who was uh, unusually ridden and ridden in all his steeplechases by Pat Taft and it was often said by people who understand these things like John Oaksey or John Lawrence as he was, was in those days what they gave a, a young horse was time didn't have to keep winning with it or anything like that and they were avowed to the idea of time relaxation, let them develop, let them uh, grow into the, their frames and so on. Arkell was not a classically beautiful horse in the way that some horses are. He was fantastic temperamentally. And he was very lucky, therefore, to be bought at the uh, sales in Dublin for 1,150 guineas, which is not bad value. And then given a lot of time at the Duchess's estate in um, Cheshire and just given time. Slightly by contrast, Millhouse had been, Millhouse was trained by Foot uh, Warren in Berkshire, in Lambourne, and uh, ridden in some of his races by William Robinson who was a great, uh, great horseman himself. Of course, the unusual thing about Willie Robinson, sorry to get a bit uh, off the beaten track, he not only won all those big steeplechases, steeplechases, he um, was runner-up in the derby. So not many people know that. Um, no, I didn't know that one. Well, there you are. <laughs> I'm learning all the time. We've learned something today. So of the two... Arkell was given the, 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 the sort of classical uh, time, again, the word, but it's the right word. And Millhouse was rather more hit and miss. On the other hand, as I just mentioned, Millhouse won the Cheltenham Gold Cup in 63 at the age of six. Uh, Arkell won his Cheltenham Festival race also at the age of six. And so they were both young potentially brilliant but very young uh, fairly raw and um, gradually and we're, give, we're given time Foot Walden was a wonderful wonderfully patient uh, trainer and uh, the level of horse, horses that he ran was just extraordinary and Fort Walwyn had won the gold cup in 1962 as well as 63 with Millhouse 62 being Mandarin Better, better known as, a, as, as winning the um, Grand Steeplechase de Paris, uh, but then, then probably remembered as a Gold Cup winner, but he was a very good Gold Cup winner. And if you look through sort of histories of um, steeplechasing, you get wonderful photographs 
of Mandarin, of taxidermist horses like that, and Kirsten and uh, Linwell and all these horses who who ran frequently. And then when uh, sponsorship was becoming more and more widespread, they they had decent prize money to aim at, and so there there were sort of successions of really top class competition between these these terrific this terrific cohort of of horse of steeple steeplechasers. Let's move on to yeah. the Cheltenham Gold Cup of nineteen sixty four, and yeah. can you give me an indication of what the build up was like in the in the media before the race? Well, it was interesting, and I uh, I was a teenager at the time. They were clearly two wonderfully promising racehorses, and um, there was this. Uh, there was quite a lot of the coverage was based on the idea of, as we just said, Arkell, the Irishman, Millhouse, the Englishman, and there was a there was a lot in the last few days up to the race which interestingly that day that year was on a on a saturday rather than the traditional thursday and um the bbc gave extensive coverage to it and you know, got uh, made made a lot of fuss of it as a, as a blue ribbon of the turf type racing type race there was just a feeling that there was something very very di- very very special going on between these two horses. As I say, Millhouse had beaten Arkell. The Arkell connections knew or felt that they would never be beaten again by Millhouse, and they turned out to be right. And it was just listening to the, uh, Peter O'Sullivan's commentaries and this, this sort of thing, you could tell that all the top journalists like uh, Hugh McIlvanny, the late, great Hugh McIlvanny, wrote a wonderful piece about describing the the Sunday, the day after the uh, 64 Gold Cup, in which he writes about about the, 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 everybody on the Irish side sort of getting more and more excited and priests, you know, start, suddenly started yelling, yelling home the, the, the Irish champion. But on the day, who in general did the racing experts tip to win the race? Mostly they tipped... Mill House because he had he had done it as I mentioned a, a while ago he was giving weight to Arkell. Uh, it was pretty tight. In, right, the first thing to say is there were four runners only. People are complaining a lot of the time about the um, the lack of runners in some of the most valuable races, but, but occasionally, like with, with this Gold Cup '64, it was it was almost part of the atmosphere in that there were. There were only four, so you could you could read the race much more cleanly in some ways. The other two were King's nephew, who's a very good um, staying chaser, and Parcel, who had who had uh, won the Gold Cup in 1960. And an indication of the lopsided nature of this field, Millhouse was 13 to eight on favourite. Arkell was seven to four against. King's nephew was twenty to one, and Parcel was out with the washing at uh, fifty to one. So that was the nature of the. It was very much a two-horse race, and so it was to prove 
Why only four runners, though? They're mostly scared off, I think, by the prospect of running against these exceptional young horses. Also, if you look at the field for the Grand National a few weeks later, there, there are horses who might have a few horses in the Grand National who might had the Gold Cup been more open. Uh, might have gone for the Gold Cup, but the fact was that there were there was two absolute bit of course like the race to come. Um, the thing is, they they were two exceptional horses. And the fact that they were only a small field was was a testing from a different angle. There were only two horses in it, really. I think I think the distance between Millhouse in second and Parcel in third, Parcel was third, was something like twenty-five lengths. I mean, it was a hell of a long way. And um, the, the simple explanation is that they was the lesser horses were scared off by the exceptional talent of Millhouse and Arkell. And we've we've talked about this off air, but why was the race run on a Saturday? <laughs> that is a great conundrum. Some people think it was re- it was moved to a Saturday, but it, it can't have been because the fixtures were, and therefore the decision to move it from a Thursday Gold Cup to a Saturday Gold Cup. The um, th- this change had been affected when the the fixtures were first published in towards the end of 1963 and so it was just experimenting or, or just changing in, um, in, in order to generate a race like that we, albeit with forerunners and um, because nobody when the, when the fixtures were published they, they would it would not have been known that they would this would boil down to two horses at Cheltenham in March if you follow let's now talk about the race how did that go and were there any early clues that Arkell was was coming on top there were yes I mean I don't know if you remember this but the um the race the, the, the gold cup Started on a spur. It's not wasn't part of the, the sort of general circuit. And as soon as the flag dropped, they, I think they had two, possibly two fences between that and getting onto the racecourse proper. And um, Millhouse went straight away into the lead. And if you look at a race, the race now, which you can easily find on YouTube or whatever, and it's well worth it to watch. Millhouse had this huge devouring stride and he went straight off into the lead. But Arkell was kept reasonably close to him, but was pulling like mad. I mean he was really he looked a really difficult um he was trained, of course, to be very fit. But for the first circuit and a half, it was Millhouse leading with Arkle trying to get by him and Pat Taff sort of almost standing up in his stirrups trying to get Arkle to, to, to calm down or to slow down a bit. And it was, it was, and then at the top of the hill where so many Cheltenham races are decided, 
Pat Taft decided clearly it was it was time to get Arkell about his business a bit. And as they came down the hill, you could hear, even on the telly, you could hear people calling Arkell home. Uh, the priests, as, as, as McElvaney wrote, but you could tell exactly who were the Irish contingents and who were the English contingents. And they came belting down with uh, towards the second last, as it was in those days before the bend. And um, Arkell just sort of eased past uh, Millhouse and round the corner into the, into the straight proper and um, just scampered is, is really the only word for it. He was he was hugely superior to Millhouse that day and probably ever after. And uh, he scamp- scampered round the round the bend, popped over the last fence, uh, up the hill, and cue delirium because he got a fantastic. Because uh, he was clearly Arkell was clearly the the greatest, the best, even at that age. He was seven, Millhouse was seven, but you could tell that uh, barring accidents, Millhouse would never be Tarkle. Great horse, Millhouse, was sad to be foaled in the same year as a freak. And Peter O'Sullivan said, the best we have seen for a long time. Yeah. What, was the, what was the winning margin? Five lengths. I think it was five lengths. But it was the ease with which he did it, which was which was extraordinary. Um, he just he, he just pe- people people couldn't believe it how good he was. And uh, thereafter, of course, he 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 became the the greatest of all steeplechasers, in my opinion, and the opinion of many others. What was the reaction from the two stables after the race? Well, I, I, in those days, they didn't um, immediately stick a microphone under somebody's um, chin to be interviewed. And uh, I mean, mostly in the, and in the press, there was it was just um, it was just understood that Tarkle was the best. And you know, these, these people knew their the, the crowd and the connections. They knew about the horses, and they knew that Arkle was. Um, was was very very special. Fort Warwin couldn't believe that he'd lost. I think that's right. I, I, yeah. And also, um, Bruff Scott, I think, was riding in a, a race when he was an amateur that day, and he wrote about rather well, of course, being Bruff. He wrote about uh, after the race in the in the jockey's weighing room, Willie Robinson, who'd ridden. Millhouse, and just could not believe that any horse, any horse that had ever been foaled had, had, had treated Millhouse in that way, with complete, <laughs> with complete disdain. There's, there was that, that was the mood really, and that people said knew that what the, 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 this horse was quite exceptional, and you know, Fruit Woolwim, for instance, was not. Um, he, he he knew horses as well as anybody ever, and um, he he would have known that Arkle and the press the day, day after. You know, it was all it was all that this is this is Wonder Horse, Arkle the Wonder Horse. 
But the other source of uh, amusement about about this famous race, and really a mark of how famous it was, the 64 Gold Cup, is that there was a song record and, uh, um, issued on a on vinyl, a single uh, called Arkle, and it was by Dominic Bean, who's the brother of Brendan Bean, the playwright. And this is a song lampooning how the Irish, uh, how sorry, how the English um, racing aristocracy was sneery about uh, Arkle, this upstart horse. And this, and Arkle, of course, eventually won. And it was all to do with the um, the superiority of the English being completely crushed uh, by the brilliance of the Irish. And that was, it was a great song. I would sing it to you now, but we haven't got copyright, I think. No, and I don't think listeners would, <laughs> would want to hear you sing, probably, would they? <laughs> no, carry on. But their, their rivalry did continue and they, they clashed several more times. What happened when they, they met yes. again? In brief, the score they, they met each other five times. After the 64 Gold Cup, of course, it was one all. And then they, they met in the Gold Cup in 65, a small field. But by then, there was no question that Arkell was a freak and was in a, was in a category all of his own. Mill House was second to Arkell, and then they ran in the Hennessy Gold Cup, which which um, Arkell won easily. And uh, the, the, their, their last um, showdown, as it were, was in a race called the Gallagher Gold Cup at Sandown Park in November 1965. And his rivals included um, Ron Detto, who you might remember anyway, who was a very famous... Uh, Boyne Avon. Boyne Avon. Absolutely. Yeah. All sorts of races. He was third in the national at the age of 13, which would take some day. Anyway, um, Arkell won this in record time by a street, and it was thought uh, that Millhouse was just... had had enough... <laughs> Of, uh, of of following Arkle home. Mill House was written in the Sandown Park race by David Nicholson because Willie Robinson was injured, I think. And uh, he was conceding, Arkle was conceding £16. As they came round the railway fences, it was as if Pat Taff on Arkle just clicked his fingers and Arkle shot off. You know, he shot off at the end of three mile whatever uh, uh, race and um, it, it was it was like a, a single emblem of the brilliance of this horse he just he was completely in a different league and that's that's the best you know the, the best legacy you have this one sheer burst of speed at Sandown which was glorious glorious to behold well, Arkel got injured in the King George of 1966. Uh, do you think if he was fit, he would have won the Gold Cup in 67, 68 even? Uh, yes, I think I think he must have done partly because there was no obvious um, contenders. And I would have thought 
I mean, I think it's generally thought that that he would have got two more at least gold cups, and that therefore identify um, joining Golden Miller, who won five times. But I don't think it, in in a in a sense it matters that you you wouldn't. There's obviously been debate about um, Arkell and uh, Golden Miller, but uh, the style of racing appears to be. I mean, uh, Golden Miller was flawed. He would sort of run poor races, and he he, he was more uh, he he was less brilliant. I think less brilliant is the phrase, whereas Arkell was perfect. And do you think that Millhouse gets forgotten? I mean, there's lots of books, including yourself, written about by yourself about Arkell, and yet you can't find any book about Millhouse. No, that's a good question. I think uh, um, I hadn't thought about that. Nowadays, it would be difficult to sell a, a, a book about Millhouse. The, the story is interesting because because after the uh, Gold Cup. He, Millhouse, was narrowly beaten in the Whitbread at Sandown. And he he ran a lot of other very good races, but nothing to match Arkell. Arkell won two Hennessies, three Leopardstown chases, uh, Whitbread, everything. The, one of the things often said about Arkell is that he he would compete against horses with huge dif- weight differentials, in those days, the, the um, top weight would probably be 12 stone 7. But on one occasion, in the Massey Ferguson Gold Cup at Cheltenham, he was Arkell carried 12 stone 9, 10, 12 stone 10. And it's this sort of thing. The ability to shrug off huge differential, weight differential is really what made Arkell so transcendent. But where does Millhouse, though, stand in the rankings of top steeplechasers? Well, he probably, in terms of people, the crowd's affection for him, it's very high. In terms of the form book, just below the absolute top. And you can only go so far with weight and ratings and so on. And the horse who nearest Arkle at all was his stable mate, Flying Bolt, uh, who was an utterly brilliant horse and got within two pounds of it in, in the handicap. And which is, and yet he was, he is, he, Flying Bolt, is the, um, without doubt, the, the uh, little boy that, little boy that Santa Claus forgot. I mean, they just, he was two, within two pounds of Arkle. And he, he 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 wasn't loved in the same way as Arkell. He would bite people and he would try to kick people, flying bolts. And yet he was utterly brilliant, as I mentioned. He he won the champion's chase and then the following day he was third in the champion hurdle. So I think he, when a few years ago they had a poll in the uh, Racing Post for people's favourite race horse. And of course Arkell won this. But... Uh, Flying Bolt was not even mentioned in eight, uh, 100 entries, and he was forgotten. But he was he was utterly brilliant. But he got ill. Arkle's Arkle had a very bad uh, medical problems, as it were, and 
only lived until he was 13, which is absolutely nothing in the horse. And uh, very sad. It never ran again after that King George, as you mentioned. Coming up in our next episode, a truly compelling one with Patrick Foster, the former professional cricketer who became a gambling addict, but who has now turned his life around. Here's a short clip from episode 111. It is, for some people, quite frightening what it does to you and when it takes hold of you, how much your addiction consumes you and and totally monopolises your life. And Flying Bolt, talking of him, he he raced at the Cheltenham Festival in 1964 and, and won there, I think, on the first day. Yes, I think that's right. That's Gloucester Herd, was it? Anyway, I think that's right. But they never raced against each other, Arkle and uh, Flying Bolt. And Paddy Woods, who used to ride uh, Arkle every day, um, who is still with us, thank goodness. And uh, I'm in touch with him mostly about matters relating to Arkle. And he said that they once, uh, on the gallops at Draper's, they pitched Harkle against uh, Flying Bolt for a, for a particular gallop. And they, they took each other on these two and they just couldn't, they just went like the clappers and uh, never, never uh, galloped the, each, each against the other again because they were just, they were just so competitive. They were just, could, could scarcely be contained. And other people, and Liam McLaughlin, who was another of Draper's lads, he was convinced that uh, that um, Flying Bolt was the was the better of the two, and I, I, you know, it's fair enough. These people are very close to these horses, and have a, a unique way of, of assessing them. But I think uh, to keep them apart it was the important thing. Well, returning to the nineteen sixty four Cheltenham Gold Cup, where do you think the race stands? Uh, with regard to sort of famous clashes, I mean, this this century we had Denman against Corto Star in four successive Cheltenham Gold Cups. Yeah. But where does the 1964 clash stand in the all-time steeplechases? Really, I would have thought it would it would. Well, having first said that it is impossible to do anything, state anything definitive, I would have thought it was right up there. Races are sort of divide between, um, you know, famous battles uh, and uh, just sheer class. Races of sheer class, and if if you watch, I don't know, you know, Frankel's two thousand guineas, you, you're going to be pretty impressed. And without him um, being competitive, he, he just blew them, blew all his rivals away, and that was a classic. I would have thought. That Arkle would that the sixty four would be right up there, and uh, for people like me, it'll keep me quiet for years. I hope. Well, I hope so, and uh, thank you again for joining me on the Paddock and the Pavilion. You you feature in a forthcoming podcast where we're also going to be talking about another big clash, which is round two of Shiskin versus Anergamine mm. on Wednesday, the sixteenth of March. Uh, Thank you for looking back at the 1964 Cheltenham Gold Cup, Arkle, Millhouse, and two others. 
Thank you. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed this, the, uh, this new assessment of my beloved Arco, and uh, may, may he always be remembered. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.